Greetings from 12 Stone Church. The following message as delivered by Pastor Kevin Myers is the first teaching in the series entitled Pray Like Jesus. Please enjoy. We hope this serves you well. All right, prayer. All earthly things with earth will fade away. The prayer grasps eternity. It always startles me that the disciples never said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to preach. They heard the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest man that ever lived, the Sermon on the Mount, and yet not one of them ever said, Lord, teach me to preach. They never said, Lord, teach us to do miracles. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, I'll tell you. If there's any prayer that needs to be prayed in the Church of God today, as far as I'm concerned, it is, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is not a position on your knees. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. So we are so excited to be together today for this series launch, because God is going to stir things in you. It's going to be transforming. So let me begin with this. This year will represent 25 years, the 25th anniversary of my mom passing and, and being in heaven, being with the Lord, which was sorrowful for us and is fantastic for her. And I've always wondered, I've often wondered, do you ever wonder this? I wonder like if God would let mom come back. And like hang out with us a little bit. I mean, and, and I've asked, I'm like, would you just, you know, like give her like a, an hour? <laughs> Send her back and let's have a little conversation. Because I want to know what she's figured out. Like I want to know what's happening there in the kingdom of God in such a way that if we knew it here, it would affect us. So, so what would mom say? Maybe you've, maybe you've got loved ones that have gone on and you're like, man, I'd love to have a conversation, but, but, but I'd love to know. I don't know what she would say. You don't know what she would say. But I think one of the things would be Son, pray more. I think she'd come back and say, pray like Jesus. I'm telling you, son, you, I, I figured it out. I've watched it. I've seen how the kingdom of God works in, in the spirit realm, the big kingdom, the real kingdom. And I'm telling you, you got to learn to pray like Jesus. The disciples wanted to know. Look at Luke chapter 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. See, they watched Jesus pray, and having watched Jesus pray, they're like, okay, we probably don't know how to pray. I mean, he prays unlike anybody we've ever seen. After all, Jesus was from heaven, second person in the Trinity. God the Son, Jesus, came to earth, took on human flesh, and, and he's praying, there's something for us to learn. In fact, it was his habit. Look at Luke chapter 5. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and what? Say it, everybody. And did what? Prayed. Say it again. Did what? Prayed. I mean, this, this is like part of his life. This is normal. So it's curious that the one who knew the most prayed the most. Which means if we knew what Jesus knew, we would pray like Jesus prayed. If we knew what Jesus knew, we would pray like Jesus prayed. If we knew what Jesus knew, we would do what? Pray like Jesus prayed. And yet, curiously, for us, prayer is too little to give it big time. But for Jesus, 
prayer was too big to give it little time. That, that, that needs to make us think. What does he know that we don't know? Because if we knew what he knew, well, then we'd pray like he prays. So God's going to use this, this series, these three weeks, to awaken things in us and to help each one of us, this is my prayer, take each one of us to our next. I mean, wherever you are in your prayer life, may this take you to the next. And, and, and Jesus responded to his disciples when they said, teach us to pray, pray with the Lord's Prayer. So let's go to the Matthew 6 version. Everybody grab their Bibles here across the campuses. In fact, right here underneath your chair, just reach down, grab a worship center Bible. We're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 6. We're on page 970, Matthew chapter 6. And this is inside the Sermon on the Mount. Now, past November, we did a segment of the Sermon on the Mount on Judge Not. And I told you throughout the next couple years, we're going to stop in series and pick up slices and segments of the, of the Sermon on the Mount. And here's another one. So, page 970, Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 9. Jesus teaching. This then is how you should pray. How you should what? Pray. This part of your life, how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There are things that Jesus knew. And he delivers right off the top, pray, and the first line, our Father in heaven. There are things that Jesus knew. The first thing that Jesus knew, it's in your teaching notes. Grab your bulletin, look on the back, uh, jot down. Here's the first thing Jesus knew. You never outgrow God. Say it with me. You never what? Outgrow God. In fact, just, just so that, that you see it with me, if you take this first thought, this is attached to heaven. You never outgrow God because, because God is where? In heaven. God is in heaven, but he's everywhere present, so he's here with you, but, but he's the Father in heaven, he's the God in heaven. And so you never outgrow heaven. <laughs> but let me, let me challenge us just a little bit on this. Because sometimes people say, well, I just, I, I, tell me why I should pray. And let me do it the other way. Let me talk about what, what happens in the lives of people who don't pray. Or, or more to the point, what are you saying when you don't pray? Because when you don't pray, you're saying as much about God your Father as when you do pray. You are saying a lot when you don't pray. And here's what you're saying. I've outgrown God. I'm telling you, prayerlessness is a clear communication that you have outgrown God. You're your, you say, I'm on my own. I've outgrown God, I'm on my own. Let, let, let me put it in the life of my kids. I have four children, many of you know that. And I have them at various stages of life, whatever. Uh, so in God's kindness, he thought that'd be funny. Um, and, 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 and so Josh, is my oldest son, is gonna turn 30 next month. Which means, I mean, I remember when I turned 30, that was over the hill. I mean, life was over at that point. You're just old. So if he's turning 30, I've been old forever. And, and so, so but, but here's what I've noticed. Listen, right? The, the, as my kids 
have gotten older, they talk with me less and less. Well, and they should. I mean, I, 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 I prefer it, so to speak. Here's what I mean. I mean, when he was three, he, there he is. He's sitting right there. I, I, I was looking for which service you were going to be in, son. Raise your hand, because I'm just going to embarrass you now, because you don't like it. Okay, raise your hand. There you go. Okay, there's my firstborn, Josh. Okay, Josh, my first buddy, and, and I never do this to him in service, but I found you. Yes. <laughs> And we recorded nine o'clock so I can do whatever I want right now. This is fantastic. So when, when Josh was born, we're, we're buzz and he learns to talk. And at three, we're just like, we do all life together. You remember your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle bike and we ride bikes together. It's awesome. And we're always together and hanging out. And, and then as Josh got older, Josh gets 13 into his teenage years and we talk, but, but he's becoming his own man. Then he goes off to college and we talk less and less. While he's in college, well, of course we do, because he's, he's crafting his own life. He's growing up. Listen, he's progressively outgrowing, listen, his need for my daily dadness. He graduates from college. He gets married to a beautiful young lady, way out in his coverage. But that's okay. That's Christina. Let's embarrass her. Raise your hand, Christina. She doesn't like this at all. This is, I'm telling you, I'm having more fun than any of you, because... Because <laughs> my daughter, Julissa, and, and her husband, Kevin, wish I would do this to them all the time at the one o'clock service. These two prefer nothing. I never do this to them. And this, I'm just, I'm having so much fun. And they're giving me these looks like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> oh, yes, you put them on camera. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, this is... Oh, let's just close. I've had all I... I've had all I need for the day. <laughs> and by the time he gets married, has his career, has the most beautiful little girl, Brela, my granddaughter, he, he and I don't talk like we used to. No, no, don't, don't misunderstand this. We still talk. We're still connected. I can still harass him. <laughs> but he's outgrown. Listen, listen. He's outgrown his need for my daily daddiness because he's become his own man. When you pray less, that's what you're saying to God and what Jesus knows is you've never outgrown your heavenly father. Oh, you'll outgrow your earthly father. But you never outgrow your heavenly father. And if you knew this, you'd pray like Jesus prayed. Yeah? See, if you, if you knew that. See, it's, it's not like things happen on earth. You need heaven's protection. You need heaven-sized provision in your life. You need heaven-sized wisdom. So you pray for it. You need heaven-sized power. And Jesus knew that. So, so you never outgrow God, our Father in heaven. There's a second thing that, that, that Jesus knew. <laughs> it's a heart engaged, say it with me, a heart what? Engaged relationship. See, what Jesus is demonstrating here in this, in this first sentence is right here, if we, if we circle, I'll better get another color. If we circle this one right here and we say, okay, it's heart engaged, what he's connecting to right here is father. To what? Father. Listen, he's your father, not a formula. God's not an it, he's not a thing, he's your father. 
it, it speaks to relationship. That prayer is about an intimate relationship that's engaged with your Father in heaven. And the reason this is so transforming is that when Jesus delivered it and the disciples said, teach us to pray, they're used to God being Father in terms of, of over the nation of Israel. But he is kind of distant, kind of, of awesome and, and mighty, and, and, and you're respectful, and, and you don't just rush to him and talk to him yourself. And Jesus is saying, oh yeah, you do. What you need to know is, I- I'm about to bridge a relationship to your heavenly father and he's gonna be daddy. It's Abba, father. Jesus probably would have spoken in this, a Sermon on the Mount in Aramaic, common language to the people and, and the translation is Abba, which means daddy. Even if he did it in the, in, the, in, the, in the general Greek, it still would have been Abba, daddy. That, that what he's translating is, you have a relationship of intimacy with your father in heaven. It's transforming. It, it, in fact... It's, it's kind of like where I want to go with this picture. When I was in college, I, I, I saw this picture in, in a pastor's office, and, and it connected for me. Because I think this is a picture of prayer. And, and, and it's a beautiful picture of prayer. Because it has, look, by the way, yes, it's old school. This is, this is like done before I was born. At some point, this is like in the 50s. And I went and found uh, the, the, you know, where I could get a copy of it and then had it framed and, and, and it sits in my room and, and I, I, I just, I've had it there for years. But it's because it's this picture of, uh, of a guy sitting at a desk and then uh, the chair across from him is Jesus. I, by the way, nobody knows what Jesus looks like. That's just some, some artist's effort. But, but if you grew up with old school Jesus, you're like, oh, that's Jesus. Okay, but, but here's the idea. You're, ha- you're having a conversation with Jesus. It's normalizing a conversation. Our Father. I mean, you just you sit across the chair and like you would normal, have normal dialogue with one another. God's that intimate, that relational, that accessible. See, you need a picture of prayer. If it's helpful to you, I'll tell you what I do in prayer. I have two gears. I have drive and I have park. Drive is conversation, park is devotion. Drive is conversation, meaning as I drive through a day, my activity of the day, all day, I'm in conversation with God. It's just ongoing, a running stream of dialogue with God throughout the day. Park is when I put it in park, it's specific time, it's more devotional, I pull away, I'm not doing anything else but talking with God, engaging with God. And I have found for me that I need both of those. One without the other is a breakdown in my life. Then God becomes impersonal and, and, and impractical. And so this engaging with God thing, let's talk about the conversational side of this. I want to try and be helpful, so let me bring it down to, I thought about, you know, what if I talk to you about conversations I've had with God even in the last couple of weeks? So I'll give you one. I wake up in the morning. This is about nine times out of ten. I wake up in the morning, and and before I do anything, I just say, oh, good morning, God. Love you. Hey, Father, thanks for a good night's sleep, if I had one. (laughs) God, watch over Marsha today and, and the kids. Help Josh and Christina to forgive me. <laughs> you know, whatever comes to mind. Love you, Jesus. Love you, Holy Spirit. You're like, you do that? Like, oh yeah, before I even wake up, hardly before I even open my eyes. I start a conversation. Why is my father with me? I mean, wouldn't it be odd to be with somebody and not have that conversation with them? I mean, it's strange. 
And by the way, if you've never been taught this, write it down. If you've never been taught the framework of prayer, I pray to the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Write that down. To the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. To the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I said it's not a formula, he's your Father, but there's a framework for prayer and you need to understand it because it's spiritually significant. People will say, like, if you don't know who to pray to, you're praying to the Father. That's why when Jesus starts this prayer, he teaches you how to pray. You pray to the Father, first person of the Trinity, to the Father, in the name of the Son, which is Jesus. Which means that up until this point, everybody would pray to God, but now Jesus is saying, no, you pray to the Father, he's daddy, he has a relationship with him. But then a little bit later in his teaching, because the Messiah hasn't been, hasn't fulfilled, Jesus hasn't fulfilled his role as Messiah. But he, but he says, I'm about to fulfill my role as the Messiah, so he teaches his disciples that up until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Now ask in my name, and you'll receive it from the Father. Why? Because Jesus is the authority and the access that you have to God the Father. You have no access to God the Father apart from Jesus. So Jesus gives you that access and authority. So when you, when you hear people say, in Jesus' name, amen, that's not a tag. That's the authority and access. Otherwise, you have no access to the, to the throne of God. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Then when Jesus ascended after his resurrection and went back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit now lives in us and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's to the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how you pray. So it's not inappropriate at times to pray to Jesus. He's a person or to pray the Holy Spirit, say come Holy Spirit. But I'll give you an example. Eight times out of 10, my prayers are directed to God specifically. So when I start praying, Father in heaven, why? That's how Jesus taught us to pray. That's the framework. So if you've never learned that, there it is. So I'm in conversation with God throughout the day. So I'm on the way to a meeting, literally, and I just have a running dialogue with God. You're like, well, you would look weird. You're right. If you're in the car with me and, and you were flying away, you're like, you're weird because I just start talking aloud to God. Well, God, I got this meeting with so-and-so. We got some business transact. I, you know what, God, I'm going to need some wisdom on this. If there's something I can do for them, give me insight and understanding. I don't know if this is the right thing or not, but you help us get to the other side because it matters what we go do. I just talk to God about what stuff that's going on. I ask him, give me insight and understanding and peace and wisdom. That normal. Just like, sometimes when I'm in conversation, they don't even know. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't like the way this is going. Oh, God, this seems right. Is this a view? I had to make a hiring uh, decision situation in the last couple of weeks, and I'm about to make the call, and I stopped before the call. I said, okay, God, I think this is right, but if it's not, let me know. Put some angst in my spirit. You know, you just, just give me some sense. Uh, otherwise, help guide this conversation. I don't know where it's going to go. We were making a financial decision, Marsha and I, and it, it's a larger than normal financial decision, and I felt a check in my spirit. And so I just had a time of prayer, and I said, I think we need to slow this down. So I'm praying. I'm just talking to God about it. Every morning, Jaden, before he goes to school, he knows, that's our fourth, Jaden knows he, he's got to come find me. And when he comes find me, every, every morning before he goes to school, if I'm not traveling and I'm home, he, he has to come find me. And, and then he comes, and this is like one to two minutes. That's it. He comes find me. I embrace him. I love on him. I said, man, I love you, son. I'm proud of you. Your father in heaven loves you. What are you doing today at school? You got any tests? You got any quizzes? What are you worried about? What are you excited about? And I mean, it's just like boom, 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 boom. It's, it's, it's a few seconds. I said, let me pray for you. Father, I pray over my son. I don't get to be with him today. You get to be with him all day. Help him remember everything that he studied. I don't say help him get A's when he didn't, by the way. Just so just some of you are like, what do you pray for? I don't pray for miracles. <laughs> and, and, and I said, help him make good choices today. Help him be a man of character. Help him honor you. Maybe he can be a witness for you today. That'd be awesome. Protect my son. Would you bless my son today? I know you love him. 
Jesus' name, amen. See you, son. That's it. I mean, it's like a minute or two. That, I'm telling you, this stuff is powerful. I just in conversation with God all throughout the day. Do you have conversations with God all throughout the day? Because that's what keeps it personal, practical, and engaging. He's your father. You should be talking with him. It's a normal, engaging relationship. It's conversational. That's in drive. But I also have park. Park is when I stop. Park is when I'm not doing anything else. I have devotional time. I've taught you how to pray for an hour. I'm not going to walk through that again. But it involves in worship. It involves God's word where he tends to speak to you. It involves deep prayers of protection. In other words, I come back to this imagery. There are many times where I've actually put a chair in, in, in my room. And I've said, well, I see God, I need a long conversation. I, mean, I just need some help. And he's like, I know you do. He's like, I, I get a chair for you. <laughs> and God help protect. Listen, in Malachi chapter three, God talks about protecting Israel from the devourer. It literally means in the Hebrew, the eater. But what it's only talked about is locusts that'll eat and destroy your whole crops, which means all your work comes to nothing. I'm very aware that I live in a world where I have little to no control and all the work that I do can come to nothing if God does not protect. Protect God, it's beyond me. I need heaven's protection. God provide, God keep me on purpose. What I mean by keep me on purpose is I can mess up the very thing I know I'm called to do. I've discovered the most difficult person in the world to lead is yourself. Have you figured that out? Do you know that? Who's the most difficult person in the world to lead? Who? Me. Just say that. Just say, who is it? In fact, in fact, just tell your neighbor right now, you're the most difficult person in the world to lead. Just tell them. Just tell them. Because some of you know how true that is. I mean, you just, you just know. Just go ahead and tell them. Some of you might want to offer a prayer, conversational prayer right now for them because they're desperately. So, so I'm in this dialogue with God devotionally. See, you have to have a picture of prayer. It's engagement with your Father in heaven. See, there are things that Jesus knew. And if you knew what Jesus knew, you'd live and pray like Jesus prayed. The next thing that he knew is our. Say it with me. What is it? Our is a bigger family. See, here's, here's what I mean. If, if you're going to attach this right here, our is a bigger family. It goes right up here because he says, pray our Father. Whose Father? Whose Father? I don't know if you've ever noticed, but there are no personal pronouns in the Lord's Prayer. There is no I, me, my. I mean, it kind of messes with you. As soon as you figure it out, you're like, huh, why did he do that? It, 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 here, it, it at least means this. It at least means you're part of a bigger family and prayer is a bigger deal and it should involve us together. Prayer involves us together. See, when you come into relationship with God through Jesus, you become a part of a bigger family. I mean, part of what we celebrated a couple weeks ago at Easter. Oh, by the way, did you know over a thousand people across all the campuses and all the services came forward, walked through the door, prayed to receive Christ? Are you kidding me? I mean, that is celebration worthy. This stuff we say, yay, God. Many of them come to Christ first time, some rededication, but all beautiful stuff. And, and, and then you become part of a bigger family, well, which means we should be able to talk to our Father together. We should, listen, here's, let me give it to you this way. You ready? Accept the invitation and the challenge to pray for each other normally and comfortably. Get over the discomfort. Just get over it. I should, my kids should be able to be together and talk to me. I mean, it would be weird if the moment my kids all get together, they quit talking to me because they're together. Well, they can talk to me individually, they just can't talk to me together. Doesn't that sound odd? As soon as they, all of the kids get there, I think we ought to talk to dad. I'll do it later when I'm alone. Hey, would you talk to dad for me? Yes, but not with you. 
only somewhere else. Like that's what we do. When people say, hey, would you pray for me? Yes, I will. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to do it now. That would be awkward. Can't normalize that. Why not? You know what? We ought to be praying for each other. James, the brother of Jesus, said in the book of James, pray for one another. Okay, how many of you know that it feels awkward? I will raise my hand. How many of you know it feels awkward, like in the moment? You know what? Let's get over it. I'm just challenging us as a church, get over it. I'm not saying you gotta do it in the hallway at work. Sister, I see you have a need. (laughs) If we could all bow. Gracious God of all creation, wilt thou not? Yeah, let's not do that. But you're in small group and you're among fellow believers wherever you are in the community, but you're, you, these are people you know, followers of Christ. They say, man, I'm going, God has blessed me. You know what? When, when God's been particularly gracious to somebody, you say, man, can I, can I, I want to celebrate that with you. I'm just, this, I'm, just let me pray. God, thank you for blessing their marriage right now. Oh, thank God, thank you for the bonus that just came into their life. Oh, God, thank you for what you're doing in the life of their kids. That's it. 20 seconds. If you're an introvert, seven seconds. It's fine. It's just, it's, and, and if there's a particular need, and they say, man, would you pray for me? I'm going through a hard time. Well, sure. How would you want me to pray? Would you just pray that God will protect me in this? Would you just pray that God will help me be strong? I need strength in this. Would you just pray God will give me wisdom? Yeah. Can I do it right now? I mean, I'll do it later, but can I do it right now? God, I just pray that you would give them wisdom in this situation. It's really difficult. They're not sure how to handle it. Uh, would you help them? Amen. In Jesus name. Amen. Done. That's it. We get so worried about, oh, I'm afraid I don't have the right words. Let me just help you. You don't. (laughs) Stay with me. Your words are not the power. God's word is the power. So it doesn't even matter what you say. If your heart is right and you pray over somebody, it's powerful because of God. Well, I'm going to sound dumb. Probably. (laughs) Who cares? God translates it into power. Pray. Pray in the moment. We should start doing that with each other. And don't get weirded out by it. And by the way, when people say, oh, that was a beautiful prayer. I, stay with me on this. I'm not sure there is such a thing as a beautiful prayer. I mean, I've had to pray. You know, I have to write prayers. I have to pray in certain environments and dedications and situations. And that's just my job. I have, and I've had to do it here and in the community and in Gwinnett and downtown at the Capitol and in Washington. I've, I've done all those things. And, and yet you have to craft these prayers and you're concerned about how it gets said. And then people say, oh, that was a powerful prayer. Or that, oh, that was a beautiful prayer. It's just, I'm not even sure there is a beautiful prayer. I, I'm really not. I mean, people, I've had, oh, that was a beautiful prayer. Can you, what does God do? <gasps> Say that again. <laughs> oh, angels. <laughs> Come here. I'm going to answer that one. It was so good. I mean, it was so good. I wasn't going to answer it, but that was beautiful. <laughs> Somebody get a copy of that for me. I want, I want that one written down. That, oh, that was, that was so good. That's just ridiculous. There's no beautiful prayer. There's just a powerful God who invited us to pray. And we ought to be praying for each other because it releases the power of God for one another. And we need to normalize this. If we knew what Jesus knew, we would pray like Jesus prayed. And Jesus knew that God shapes, say it with me, God what? 
shapes life through prayer. Oh, God help us with this. In fact, I'll just circle it and take it right up. When Jesus said pray, he said when you pray, not if you pray. See, once you come to a relationship with God, you already know this is the communication. You're gonna pray, but what you know is prayer shapes life. God shapes life through prayer. We need to have a little conversation on it, so let me, let me hit it. God made it clear that all things on earth are not predetermined. They are not predetermined. Some things are. The first coming of Jesus, the Messiah, predetermined. From the Garden of Eden, he spoke prophecy. From, from Abraham on, all Old Testament prophets, pointing to the first coming. I didn't, it doesn't matter what kingdoms do on earth, what people do, or what Satan does. Jesus is coming exactly when God said, and he's going to do exactly what God said he's going to do. Predetermined. The second coming of Jesus is another one. Predetermined. He, the prophecy from Daniel, a few slices of the gospel, a couple places in the epistle, heavily in the book of Revelation, second coming to Jesus. In the end, it's all happening, and not one thing hell or anybody else is going to do is going to change it. But there are other things that are not predetermined. And God says pray, because you can move things in heaven to move things on earth. Participate. Prayer shapes. My goodness, why wouldn't you join in? And by the way, that doesn't make God your servant. I mean, people get all messed up. As soon as we say, say, oh, good. Well, I don't pray anymore because I asked God to do something and he didn't do it. Did you get confused who was on the throne? <laughs> well, if God isn't going to do what I ask, why would I pray? Well, because it shapes you. I've prayed, I've been in prayer groups for over people for healing, and I've seen God heal people, and it's powerful and mighty and celebratory. God did not heal my mom from cancer. She got a very, diagnosed with ovarian cancer at 50, 51 years old. Died a couple years later. About 18 months into it, I'm still praying for her healing, and I know that the Spirit of God whispered to me and said, I'm not going to heal her. Quit praying for healing. My plan for her is to take her home when I'm ready. But by the way, that shaped me. See, if God's not answering your prayer, he's going to shape you to know what he's doing and join him. Ultimately, you have to trust him. You have to what? Of course you do. Because he's in heaven, you're not. So you trust things about God. What do you have to trust about God? You have to trust who he is and who is he? Look at Colossians chapter one. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. That's a big God. If you want to be more clear, what that tells us is this, that among other scripture. He's all powerful, he's all loving, he's all knowing. Write it down. Write it down. Get all these. It's sitting right there in your notes. He's all powerful. He's all loving. He's all knowing. He's all powerful. Say that one with me. He's what? All powerful. Secondly, he's all loving. He's all what? Loving. Third, he's all knowing. He's all what? Knowing. Which means he's able, willing, and wise. He's all powerful. He's able. He's all loving. He's willing. He's all knowing. He's wise. God is able, willing, and wise. And if God isn't all three, then don't pray. I, I'm not... I, I'm, I, this can be misunderstood. I hope it's not. I'm not trying to be heretical. But don't bother praying if God isn't able, willing, and wise. And let me just say it my way because I have a way to say it. Don't bother praying, for example, if God is unwise. 
And th- th- this can be, some people think this, oh, that sounds disrespectful. I can tell from the other services, they're like, ew. I'm gonna say it anyway. <laughs> if God is able and willing, but he's dumb as a rock, don't pray to him. Because he'll end up answering all your prayers and it'll wreck your life. If God is not all-knowing and can't see the future, he's gonna keep answering prayers that collectively make for a horrible life. Have you not lived long enough to thank God for not answering some of your prayers? <laughs> Dear gracious God, I, I've lived long enough to say, oh, thank you, God. Because I would have married somebody else. Right? I mean, oh, she's the right one for me. And she wasn't. I got Marsha. Maybe Marsha didn't get her prayers answered and ended up with me. But who knows? <laughs> Don't laugh, son. You wouldn't be here. Anyhow, that's, oh, this is so much fun. This is so my delight today. I mean, if God isn't wise, haven't you had friends who are able to help you, willing to help you, but when they get done helping you, they didn't help you at all because they're just dumb as a rock? <laughs> You're like, thanks for helping, not. Back in, in, the, in the sixth Easter of 12 stone, it's infamous on the inside. A, a small group of us know that that was the infamous best, worst Easter ever. On that Easter... We were still in the jazzercise. You got to imagine, it was a jazzercise room where they did jazzercise and it, it, and it fit 100 chairs. We were all excited because we were going to do two services for the first time in the church. So you got to think how small 100 chairs with a stage. And we were going to do something dramatic. We were going to play a song called Watch the Lamb. That, that talks about Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and, and, and that this, this all occurred at the time of Passover. And in the song, Jesus is walking along, and there's a father, a Jewish man with his two sons, who has a, a little lamb that needs to be offered a sacrifice. But then the father gets called to, to carry the cross of Jesus, Simon of Cyrene. So that's what the song's playing out. And the father says to the boys, watch the lamb, because he's now got to carry the cross. But then when he gets to Golgotha, the, the, and, and, and the cross goes up, and Jesus goes on the cross, the, the man's like, oh my goodness, Jesus was the lamb. And so he tells the boys, watch the lamb, as in pointing to Jesus. So we're going to dramatize the whole thing. Who would be dumb enough to do that in a little room of of 100 actually try and crucify somebody, which we did. We had a really skinny guy that looked like Jesus, and we know knows what Jesus looked like, but we thought he did. And so we put him up on a cross, and we, while the song's playing, and the father comes in. So I needed a little lamb. It's not going to work without a lamb. So I, we had some friends at the Yellow River Game Ranch, and they said, oh yeah, man, we're able and willing. We'll send you. I said, I need a little one. I need a cute little, little lamb. Gotcha. It's going to be outside. This is going to be spectacular. I know it all sounds cheesy. It did not sound cheesy in the moment. <laughs> 30 minutes before the service, Easter service started, the little BB lamb showed up. It was 150 pound, uglier than sin sheep. <laughs> Nastiest fleece you can imagine. Been rolling around in the mud. Delivered in a cage that was too small for the mammoth horse. <laughs> Had pooped all the way there. And it was stuck all to the back. Just pieces of poop hanging all over. The thing stunk like 20 wet dogs after a hunting day. This is going to wreck Easter. Where's my lamb? 
We took a hose out. In fact, Julissa, <laughs> Josh's younger sister by 17 months, Julissa was with me. She was three years old at the time. She wanted to see the lamb. She came running around. She said, oh, it's a poopy wham. <laughs> Which has now been forever called the poopy wham Easter. <laughs> On the inside, it's our family knows, a poopy wham. We took a hose and tried to spray off the poop and scrape it off with, the, with like a stick. Which, by the way, don't wet a sheep with poop on it because it releases the odors and it was already rancid. <laughs> then the service starts. They say, what are we going to do? I said, We're, they, the two kids combined weighed half the weight of the stupid sheep. <laughs> they come walking in the side room. There's 100 people in here for Easter and the stench <laughs> was so pungent that people began to throw up in their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're from the farming community, that's fine. But if you like oxygen, it was gone. <laughs> that room reeked. And they're playing out, watch the lamb, Jesus on a cross and world. <laughs> I had to get up and preach after that, try to lead people to Jesus. It was a complete wreck. My friends are dumb as a rock. You sent me a, 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 a sheep horse. <laughs> I don't care that they were they were able and willing, what they did was unhelpful. <laughs> Listen, if God is unwise, don't pray. But Jesus knew that he had all, all wisdom. So you'd pray. And by the way, if God is unwilling, I know why you wouldn't pray. Don't pray. As many of you know that my parents divorced when I was about 12 years old. A strange relationship with my dad. My dad didn't value me, I don't know why. By 17, I'm going off to college to pursue pastoral ministry. My dad's a Christian, I can't evaluate that. But he was proud of me and, and after my first semester, I, was, I financially had no options and there was no loan options, there was just nothing and I owed and I couldn't come back the second semester and I needed to solve a, a few hundred bucks. And, and my dad, I was going to have a moment with him at Christmas, which was him picking me up and, and dropping me off at somebody else's house for 15 minutes at Christmas. Awesome. And, and, and he picked me up in a brand new Lincoln Continental. And I'm like, oh, good. Dad's doing better. So he'll be able to help me. So in the car, I said, hey, dad, can you help me? I mean, all I got is this, this amount left. And, and I can't go back unless I solve this. And I've worked. I've, I, I'm out. I don't have any options. And he said, oh, no, son, I can't. I said, well, dad, you, you, you just bought a new car. Well, that's why I can't help you. And I got lots of stuff I'm having to take care of. Really? And it settled in my soul. My dad doesn't value me. He doesn't love me. He might be able. He might be wise. But he's unwilling. It was the last time I ever asked my dad for anything. The last. Never from that moment on. Because there's no point asking somebody who is unwilling. If God doesn't love you, don't pray. There's no point. If he has all power and all wisdom, but he doesn't love you, why would you pray? But what Jesus knows is he does. He is all loving. And if God is willing, and if God is wise, 
but he's unable. Don't pray. I want to say this delicately, but I knew not to ask my mom because she had wisdom and she had great heart for me, but she had no power, no resources, no options. We were dead broke in poverty. There was nothing she could do. She would if she could, but she couldn't. So I didn't ask. There's no point in asking God if he has no power. I mean, what's the point? You get done praying and God says, that was a beautiful prayer. I would love to help you, but I can't. I have no power. But this was fun. Let's do it again. Listen, if God is not able, willing, and wise, you have no reason to pray, but because he is, you have every reason to pray. Yeah? So you got to figure it out. In fact, which of those three is difficult for you to trust in God? Is it difficult for you to trust that he's able, all-powerful? Is it difficult for you to trust that he's all-loving, willing, or that he's wise? As I turn the service over to the campus pastors, I have a sense that for many of us, there's one of those that are most difficult for us to trust in God. In fact, we're going to give a moment to pray over you at the close of the service if that's helpful to you as you identify the one. But as I turn the service over to the campus pastors, we're going to take a moment and pray. We're going to put the Lord's Prayer on the screen. And I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me across all the campuses, reading the prayer together. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so, Father, right now you're awakening the invitation of prayer in a significant way. There are some of us who not sure we even believe in you. We're quite spiritually unresolved. And it's occurred to us that we've got to answer some questions. Is there really a God in heaven? Am I here by accident or on purpose? And we're here because we're asking. I pray, God, for those who are just searching out, those who may have come from some pretty rough backgrounds or those who've come from highly religious and walked away, whatever our circumstance, and we're reconsidering, we're processing, we're trying to discover. Reveal yourself to us. Others of us who have never figured out this prayer thing, and right now you're teaching us stuff about conversational prayer and and devotional prayer and connecting with you in a normal way and, and, and teaching us what Jesus knew. God, would you set this in our soul? And right now some decisions are being made, and if you're making those decisions, then you offer it. You have a conversation with God right now as I'm praying. You just tell him, God, I I I I need to step back in. I need to get more engaged with you. I need to talk with you more. God, I'm going to start talking with you through the day. If you're, if you're committed to that, just tell them. You're just, God, yeah, I'm going to start talking to you throughout the day. Or, or God, I need to have some part time. I, I, I'm talking to you, but I'm not giving you any concentrated time where we're sitting in, in more of a, a counseling kind of environment with you, where, where you guide me. And I, I need to get into your word and into that. Whatever it is, you just begin to offer it to God. 
And God, as we're offering to you a sense of, of what you're inviting us to, there's some of us who've been in this deal for a long time. And you're inviting us to fresh new places of prayer. And now, God, some of us, some of us have difficulty believing that you're all-powerful. That that's why we're strained in this. We're just, we're just not sure. Maybe that's where you need to help us today. Would you open our eyes? Maybe some of us really believe that you are powerful and wise, but you don't love us. Maybe we've let somebody else tarnish who you are and we don't see you clearly anymore. Maybe we've let the world convince us that you really don't love. Maybe, God, we've distanced ourselves from you and that distance has produced a certain insecurity and neglect and we're the ones who walked away, not you. And we keep treating you as if you don't love us when in fact, you're right there. It's us. And we have to be the ones walking back to you. Turning toward you. Maybe today, God, I pray for all those who struggle with that, you would, you would once again reset in our soul what a loving God you are. We need to know that experience that walk in it some of us God just don't believe you're wise and we've decided because you didn't answer prayer the way we wanted and you didn't do the things we want that we're just kind of mad at you and what's the point of praying anyway and we've we lost sight that you are all wise and what we trust is your wisdom maybe that needs to be re-won today God would you do a work in us as powerful as you are and as unique as we are. And may we as a people break into normal prayer lives, even praying for one another. Grant this and more in Christ's name. And everyone agreed saying, amen.